0: Luckily for me, three months later, the company filed bankruptcy and I was safeguarded from paying any kind of debt or loan because as an equity holder, I would still be liable in some capacity to pay the lenders back. So I think that was my worst investment.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotz from A. Stotts Investment Research and I'm here with featured guest Manit park Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, got it. Uh, Manit, are you ready to rock?
0: Oh, let's take it on.
1: Yeah, I know he's ready because he and I were just on fire talking before the interview. Let me tell the audience about you. Manit has worked across sectors on transformational programs with organization-wide impact, leading two companies to reach $300 million in revenue. And ladies and gentlemen, he is currently working with number three. This has led him to earn the nickname, the Michael Bay of business. Manit is working with Yellow as their director of investment and head of business. Prior to Yellow, Manit has worked with leading Fortune 500 companies in leadership positions. Along with his current position at Yellow, he's also an advisor to various startups, early-stage investors, and he's also an international keynote speaker. Minute, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life.
0: I think, thanks, Andrew. You pretty much covered it up, but a couple of things, guys, apart from my work and my professional career, I'm an avid sports lover, and and I love to cook. So every time I'm tired or I need to, you know, get into my zone, I enter the kitchen, I shut the door and I start cooking. So these are my two of my favorite hobbies.
1: Fantastic cooking. And what is one of your comfort dishes or one of your favorite dishes that you like cooking?
0: It's definitely uh, spaghetti. Spaghetti is one of my comfort dishes for sure. Apart from that, of course, eggs, the easiest to make. And grilled cheese. Who does not like grilled cheese?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. Well, now I I know the next time I get hungry, I'm going to give you a call. And
0: you're not that far away either, right? It's just
1: an hour flight. Exactly. In fact, we have a great cook in my house because my 80-year-old mother lives with me. So I like to make sure we have really healthy food. And our cook's name is Earth. I call, her, I call her Great Earth. Oh, and nice. makes some amazing food. So Wonderful. anyway, enough about food. I know you and I are both pretty hungry, but let's yes. take time now to share your worst investment ever. And sure. since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: Sure. So, um, Andrew, let me begin from my college days. When I graduated from college with a degree in economics, international law and international business. I started my career as an investment banker. I made some money. And then I got really fascinated with renewable energy. And I was always in sync with consulting and investment. So for me, anything which has an underlying asset, which is economic driven, is a great investment for me. So one of the first companies that I truly invested was Walking Energy Consulting sometime back in 2007, 2008. I invested $100,000 and uh, the company got acquired within two years by a New Jersey-based company called Sun Edison, And they acquired them for a few million and I took home a million dollars on my investment. And at that time, I was 24 years old, right? A 24-year-old, $1 million, hey, I mean, nothing to complain about. So I got a little greedy and the same group of founders, they came back to me with another idea that they want to go back to India. I mean, so the group consisted of Indian founders and foreign founders, and when I say foreign founders, I'm talking about founders from America, Sweden, Germany, and then a few Indian guys, and they came back and they said, Indian renewable energy policies kicked in, there's a lot of uh, talks going on, a lot of solar energy thing happening, so I was like, okay, fair, how much money do you guys need? They were like, we're looking for $300,000, so I asked them, okay, uh, the money should not be a problem, but what's your business model? So their business model, and this, and trust me, I was 24 years and six months. So six months after I got the earnings back, they came back to me. So at that point, they were explaining the business model. And the business model was, we go back there, we do a little bit of consulting for bread and butter so that we can pay people off. But our real model is going to be rural electrification, because that is where the Indian government was giving grants and subsidies. Little did I know back then that the government of India, the policy keeps changing every time the government keeps changing. So I went ahead and I gave them $300,000. At that point, it was a lot of money for me. And I got around 8%. Initially, I saw a lot of growth in terms of the distribution model that they built. They got a lot of subsidies from the government. And at that point, there was this government organization called BJP, which is a democratic party. And they kind of work for the people. And the middle-class family and the lower middle-class family are very happy when this government is down because they get a lot of, tax benefits and all those stuff coming in. So at that point, they came back and they said, money, we need more money. So I was like, sure. And the things were looking good. So I funded them another additional $500,000. So out of a million that I made, I was 800000 down. So I took my capital back of hundreds. So I was only $100,000 profitable. So at that point, I gave them eight hundred dollars or a 15% equity in the business. Gradually, I got busy with my job. Then Lehman Brothers collapsed. So I got laid off from my job at, in New York in the investment banking firm. And after that, I was scrambling for a new job. Luckily, I flew down to Hong Kong and I joined KPMG. So I got a little busy there as well. And by the time I could realize what was happening, I was a little too late. I could not help them transform because their model from 20 employees suddenly had employed more than 300 people. They were out of money in no time and they were scrambling to raise more money. They had taken a lot of loan from unknown entities in India, like loan sharks, and people who will come after you or will give you money at extremely high interest rate, like 20%, 18%. And this was all to make sure that they can break even or make some money out of it. And at one point, I had to sell my equity at pennies for a dollar. Because I didn't want my name to be associated with something with so much of liability, especially when I'm owning so much equity. So I gave the founders all my equity back and I took $800,000 at a loss, my book as a bad debt. And then luckily for me, three months later, the company filed bankruptcy and I was safeguarded from paying any kind of debt or loan because as an equity holder, I would still be liable in some capacity to pay the lenders back. So I think that was my worst investment, a great lesson that I learned. To be honest, I mean, if I can, I mean, the audience can, pardon my French, but at that point, at the age of 25, I was shitting quick, right? And I did not really know what was happening. Suddenly, a boy who made a million dollars just saw a million dollars go away. And I think that is when I really truly learned the value of hard-earned money and not being greedy and actually analyzing everything to the core. And I think that's where my journey began or my love affair began with making sure that I research, I study and I'm in control of things that I invest in or I advise or I work with. And that's one of the key reasons why today I've earned the nickname Michael Bay of Business.
1: Fantastic. Well, I think that teaches a lesson about easy come, easy go too. Oh, absolutely. So tell us, let's now narrow it down to say what are the lessons that you learn from this experience?
0: The key lessons that I learned were number one, analysis, study, don't be cocky. Number two, number three, Ask the right question. Even if they're stupid, ask the questions because every question asked comes up with an answer which will have another question for you to be asked. Number four, don't shy away from saying a no to the investment. There are many more lying out there. Number five, if anybody makes you money, that's not guarantee that they will make you money again. Number six, make sure that you analyze the business model to the T, tear it apart if required and ask every answer from the founders, because at the end of the day, they are the ones coming to you for money. You are not the one going to them to invest your money. So yeah. I think these were the few key basic, basic learnings that I had. Of course, there were once the business started, I could have done a lot more and that we can cover at a later stage. But in the interim, this was a very basic thing that I learned.
1: Okay. Those are some great lessons for the listeners out there. And let me summarize what I took away from your story and let me know if I missed anything. First of all, After now reading 500 stories of loss, after now nearly more than 60 interviews of people in their stories, I've been able to classify losses and mistakes basically into six major classifications. Number one, and this is by actually order of the amount of people referencing it. The number one most common reason for losing their money is they fail to do their own research. Number two, is they failed to properly assess the risk. Number three, they were driven by emotion or flawed thinking. Number four, misplaced trust. Number five, failed to monitor their investment. And number six is kind of a catch-all. I couldn't really figure out what to do until I really thought, okay, now I know what to do with it. Number six is invested in a startup company.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, the last point, it's a chicken and egg story. It can give you, I mean, if somebody invested in Uber or Google or anything, they would be like, hey, we are billionaires. But if somebody invested the way I did, hey, I'm a loser,
1: right? Well, the good thing about my defense in this list is that it's not my list. Hey, hey. (laughs) Yeah, it's your references list. It is the list of what came in. And so that helps me to kind of objectively, you could say it's the ultimate survey. So the first thing I would say is that number six is invested in a startup. And my main point from that is that a startup is a very, very high risk thing. And so you've got to be very careful. Also, there was a very famous man on in one of the stories. He asked that his name not be associated with that story, but he is a very famous author. And one of the stories that he talked about was don't be the sole provider of funds, And I think that really actually was one of the problems I faced. One of my investment mistakes is that I was a sole provider of funds or very limited. And then ends up, you can run out of cash quickly and then you get, the company gets desperate. So that's another point. Another one that I always say is never invest in something that's dependent upon the government doing X, Y, and Z, because you can never predict how that's going to go. And I think, yeah, the last one, and you know, in, in Asia, as you know, a lot of people like to claim that they've got some kind of insight into the government or when this happens, we're going to get this contract, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there are cases where those work and some of those people are connected. But the reality is, is that if you really want to be thoughtful about managing your money over a long period of time, don't get involved in that. And then the last thing is the concept of diversification. If you truly know the concept of diversification, instead of going with 300, you may have gone with 50. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And then that would allow you to kind of hold on. And as we say, as I said in the beginning, to win big, you've got to reduce that risk. So those are my takeaways. Is there anything you'd add to that?
0: Yeah, you know, based on my mistakes that I made, I used to hate studies. Though I was good at it, I kind of realized that whatever I learned in school, the fundamentals, they're so true, as you said that diversification and never to put all your eggs in one basket. Fundamentals, you know, it's very key. So yeah, so this is the only thing I would like to add that, hey guys, whoever is listening, if you hate a study or you love studies, always remember that what they teach you at school is not what is going to be applicable in the real world, but it's more about creating a solid foundation for you to learn upon and innovate further in the real world.
1: Amen. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn in your life, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: Do an extremely strong due diligence. And sorry to say, but I'm going to add another one or two more. Do an extremely strong due diligence, utmost necessary. If you don't understand the business, don't waste your time. And number three, don't be a fool like me when I was 24 or 25. Be smart like what Andrew just said. Diversify, become risk aversive, and Manage your risk better.
1: And that's a good point that we learned from Otto von Bismarck that says, only a fool learns from his own mistakes. Absolutely. The wise man learns from others. All right. Well, we've got one new addition to this uh, podcast that I'm going to be asking, which is, what is your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: Uh, My number one goal, you know, there's a very popular movie line from a movie called Jerry Maguire. It's like, show me the money. So yeah, my number one goal for the next 12 months is I'm going to keep asking my customers, my vendors, my clients, the companies that I've invested in through my company, my boss, show me the money because I'm going to make a lot more this year than what I made last year. I'm not hearing you. I want to hear you say
1: it. Show me the money. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I believe that Manit's on his way to that. And certainly, there's anybody out there that can help him along that lines. Let him know, and you'll see information on the the show notes on the website. So, listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit MyWorstInvestmentEver.com. As we wrap up, Manit, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: Yeah. If you lose, learn. If you win, learn. But make sure that your wins are more than your losses and be smart about it. And never, as Andrew said, it's painful, but make it your strongest suite so that you can succeed more in the future. Amen. Well, well that's thank you a wrap. So much. Sorry. Yes. So thank you so much for having me on uh, the podcast, Andrew. Loved it. And I really hope I've helped somebody out there, the early 20s or the early 30s, to take it over and make some profit out of it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate having you on. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.